This podcast is supported by Siemens, your partner for industrial grade AI. Hi there, welcome to a new episode of the Industrial AI Podcast. My name is Peter Seberg, and today my guest is Alexandra Matthews. She works for Insure AI at Munich Re. Hello, Alexandra. Hi, Peter. Nice to be on the podcast. Alexandra, please tell our listeners who you are, where you're from, and what you do at Munich Re. Sure. So I am an underwriter and business development manager at uh, Munich Re in the Insure AI team. So within the broader team, we partner with AI startups or AI providers to build new risk transfer solutions to boost the sales success of AI providers. Uh, our flagship product is AI Shore. So basically what we do is ensure the performance shortfall risk of machine learning models measured by certain metrics or particular KPIs. Uh, and we do this for clients offering machine learning-based services across pretty much any industry, cybersecurity, fintech, legal and reg tech, manufacturing. Uh, and then to take a bit of a, a deeper dive into this, Basically, how it works is we structure a performance guarantee that fits into the service level agreement with uh, between AI providers and their customers. And what this guarantee does is essentially makes a promise to the AI buyer that if the performance of the AI solution isn't met, then some sort of financial compensation would be paid and that payment is then indemnified by Munich Re so that the AI service provider can make this promise to pay out but doesn't have to shoulder those liabilities on their own balance sheet. Yes, we will go deeper. We will do a deeper dive a bit later. And I was going to ask, you know, why am I talking to a representative of A, of the world's largest, I believe, a reinsurance company in an industrial A podcast? But I think you, you very nicely gave a, a quick introduction already as an answer into that. Let's go one step back before we then get into the details. First, is, uh, and then maybe you can combine it. You say you're an underwriter, so you may want to quickly explain our listeners what that is, and you may want to combine it with just giving our listeners a quick introduction into your company, Munich Re. Sure. So maybe I'll start from the outside in then. Munich Re is one of the world's largest reinsurance companies, which is essentially uh, insurance for insurance companies, I think, as we always like to say. But specifically in the team that I'm in, we work directly with companies. So we provide, I guess, primary insurance. Uh, what that means is basically we come in to provide coverage from the first dollar of the loss. We work directly with companies and that's the type of insurance coverage that we provide. As an underwriter then, what that means is basically uh, I and, and my team We analyze the risk of the AI in terms of meeting its performance threshold, and we basically draft then a policy or a particular wording for the customer. So our product uh, is customized for every 
company that we work with and we work with them to structure the exact KPI that they would like to offer their customers, the kind of payout that they would like to offer depending on what is important to their the buyers of their AI as well as then doing the technical risk assessment of that AI solution. So it's kind of a a full range of of services. And essentially, an underwriter is a a measurer of of risk and uh, and then kind of comes up with a policy uh, to reflect that risk. Okay. Just so I believe I do roughly understand that, as you say, you know, your Munich Re's normal business has been to insure insurers. So that means you have whatever, I don't know, 10, 50, 100 or more customers, which are insurance companies that provide insurance services to businesses or to end users, right? And they, again, are being backed by you as one of the not so many, I believe, uh, reinsurance companies, right? So you are part of the business, and I believe you as Munich Re have also one or two daughter companies being mm, insurer companies themselves. But is it that with this new service, you as Munich Re have started to appeal to whatever, to in this case, to the business community to provide services? Yeah, pretty much. Munich Re also uh, in other departments works directly with companies. Uh, We have several different branches. Reinsurance is one of them. It's historically been the main business, but definitely there are departments that work directly with companies through brokers uh, as well to provide direct insurance, I guess, is the kind of alternative maybe to to reinsurance. And that's something that is done, I guess, for a whole gamut of of different risks, depending on yeah what the market needs. So we're definitely not the first team within Munich Re to provide risk coverage directly for companies. And I think in that sense, then we've been able to draw on a lot of expertise that we've had from other departments that have gone before us in working directly with customers, in structuring what is essentially warranty protection. Those sorts of products and those sorts of relationships have existed within Munich Re for a really long time. And so by the time it became appropriate and necessary to channel those relationships and structures into AI, I think we were uh, pretty well set up for it. Now, apart from maybe internal strategic uh, reasons by Munich Re, why do you put such an insure AI offer on the market? I mean, what is the reason that potential companies may be interested in? You know, maybe you can talk about the situation of the market, of AI in the market. Sure. So, I think insurance generally is is more than just the traditional application of a contingency protection. We consider it also it's a it's a financial instrument that can be leveraged to enable a company's business growth, their financial strength and essentially improve decision making of an insured and and their stakeholders and their customers. And with that in mind, I think we were seeing this really interesting paradox in the market in that AI, the market for it was growing exponentially. I think it was a annual growth rate of 38% year on year. And essentially, the industry was booming. And at the same time, we were seeing a lack of trust in the 
performance uh, of this AI. I think Accenture did a study a couple of years ago, which found that in, a, in decision makers in a company, 78% of them uh, expected AI to disrupt their industry in the next 10 years. And then 88% of them also did not trust in the output or in the decision of an AI. So we were seeing that, you know, it's only a matter of time before people are going to start working with or alongside AI, and yet people didn't trust it. And so to bridge this trust deficit in AI, this was where we found that Ensure AI could be filling that niche exactly. Right. So, yeah, I think you were saying, I mean, that's that's what your company has always been doing. I mean, the, the indirect or more the direct or any kind of insurance company, you know, appealing to us listeners in the form of being uh, consumers, you know, living our lives with uh, risks around us. Uh, still, when I first heard about it, um, you may want to comment how long you've been doing. I haven't heard the slogan, the way that you call your insurer AI, but I think I told you I've been working with a colleague of yours a couple of years back, and I was very, very much impressed by the idea that you would also provide kind of an insurance for I as a business responsible person we want to do this we want to do this ai we've made ourselves very knowledgeable and we're going to do this but we're not completely certain and then you step in and you say okay then tell us what is it then exactly when you kind of step in so somehow and maybe at the end you know listeners uh, may want to come to you specifically to your colleagues and they say okay you know i want to do this what is then your reply? What is what is the steps that you then take to, in the end, assess if you're going to provide uh, that uh, person, that company requesting with your service? So generally, I would say we come in at the problem stage. For an AI provider, they need to scale and win customers quickly, but it can take some time to convince customers of a consistent value add and we come back to that trust issue that I was talking about previously and they need to convince clients somehow that their AI solution makes good decisions, that it performs as expected or better, that they should adopt it essentially. And when we think about that pain point, this is where Insure AI can come into play and essentially say, what is the KPI that is important to your customers? When you're in a sales pitch, when you are maybe as a startup trying to get investment or investor funding, what is the, uh, what is the issue that people buying your AI are worried about? And generally, we see that people say, you know, they're not sure that it would work as expected or they're not sure about the kind of economic losses that could occur if it didn't. And they've tried things like long proof of concepts or you know, no cost demo phases. And these are expensive and they're time consuming. And in that time period, the AI provider isn't generating any revenue if they're having to prove the, the efficacy of their solution. And so generally, that's the point which we see the company and we would try to then provide several pillars of value add. So the creation of the trust in the AI solution because the AI provider can get a stamp of approval from a from a huge player in the risk assessment uh, market. And there's a lot of flow on benefits from that. It's a it's a 
product differentiator. It enables kind of widespread adoption and it also helps with the the transfer of liabilities from the balance sheet of the AI provider. They don't have to reserve capital to pay out in the event of economic underperformance or things like that. And so essentially, the way that we then structure this relationship is once we've established the concept with them, what their problem is, what they would like to offer as either a sign of goodwill or to really remedy the losses that the AI might cause, we would then provide a or undertake a risk assessment, so some sort of technical due diligence. We look at their model, we look at the kinds of inputs and the outputs that it has, and then essentially we price the risk, we discuss with them kinds of exclusions, things they want to cover, things they don't want to cover, Uh, and then at the end of that process, actually another benefit that we offer then is kind of a joint marketing activity. So we can take this guarantee to market together to kind of circle back to that main issue of lack of trust in AI and say that this AI is is backed by Munich Re, that we are confident in its performance. And hopefully the AI provider can then take that guarantee to market and yeah, grow their sales. We'll talk about the uh, the stamp, the logo, the you know backed by Munich Re in a couple of moments. I have two, three things I want to go through before with you, which is this risk assessment. What should I think of it? So you said, so you as an underwriter are you know the person or the department managing technical risks. So I don't know if, you know, you would be doing that yourself. Is there a team of people? What are the topics? You know, do you look at a business model? Do you look at the technology? Do you look at platform? Do you look at uh, the customer? What are the different elements? And what is it? What is the scope, so to say? You know, is it is it like a week's time? Is it like a month? Is it a day? What What is it that a potential customer has to think of? Sure. So hopefully I can answer all of the uh, all of the elements of your question. Firstly, it is all internal. So I have a legal background. I am not the one really performing the risk assessment. We have a team of of research scientists, of uh, of mathematicians that essentially provide some sort of risk assessment. They're they're part of the the team, and I guess you could think of it in in two parts one would be the the technical aspects of the risk assessment and then i guess the broader business elements of it so to look at the business elements we ask how many customers they have how many endpoints that customer has if we're looking at a at a cybersecurity coverage things like that so just to get an idea of how this company is operating how widespread the risk is where the risk is for the ai in terms of the use cases where it's being deployed and that sort of thing. On the other side, looking at the technical risk assessment, generally, I would say we look at the inputs and at the outputs. So we keep the risk assessment as a, as a kind of black box, so to speak. We don't ask to look at the lines of code. The whole process is generally a few hours, so definitely less than a week. It's not that we do do a pen test or anything like that. Essentially, we just meet with the tech team of the AI provider and get to understand how they train their model, how they retrain it in the event that there has been 
historical underperformance, how often they recalibrated the size and scope of their of their training data and their test data. So essentially, because the output of an AI method is a, a prediction or a, or a forecast, we just want to know basically what the inputs were into making that prediction and then how those predictions have performed against real world data. Sounds good. What is the target company? I mean, you offer your service for big companies, middle-sized startups. Is there any any no-goes, any you know preliminary requirements as far as size or you know maybe the number of years that a, a startup exists or how does that sound? Yeah, I would say we look at pretty much the full business spectrum. I would say typically we have seen more startups because I think they really benefit from the, the pillar of value that they can go to market kind of in partnership almost with a uh, with a really large player and that can help to improve their brand recognition. And so I think we, we see a lot of success with startups, but there's a lot of other benefits that large corporates can have. For example, we've had corporates, corporate companies that say to us, well, we're known for this sort of manufacturing tasks, but we're not known for our AI solution. And so we do want to provide some sort of signal to the market of, of the quality of our AI solution. And we think this is a great way to do it. Or large companies that say, currently we reserve capital to pay out losses un arising from underperformance of our product, but the opportunity cost of that capital is too high. We like to transfer those liabilities to you so that we can reinvest this capital or we can release some of it elsewhere. And so I think there's a, a huge range of benefits that companies pretty much of any size could get. And that's one of the benefits of this product is that it's so customized to exactly meeting the, the company's needs that it fits pretty much everyone in terms of size. In terms of industry, very few no-goes. I think if we take kind of what we do as a starting point, we're looking at the performance of an AI model and specifically its ability to kind of adapt to change. So then any sort of risk, like if an algorithm could, uh, you know, is predicting the next big stocks to buy or how to get rich or things that could also be influenced by macroeconomic conditions or events that are just outside the control of the AI. These are things that we wouldn't cover because that's just a risk that we're not able to, to foresee. As, you know, as sad as that is. Uh, and then I was I going to say, as soon as there is going to be a startup offering that to you, please refer them to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. From a customer perspective. <laughs> Because you're not taking them really anyway, interested. you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. Uh, and then otherwise, I, I think generally we're, we're pretty cautious about, uh, about healthcare, but it is something I think that is becoming so developed and there's such a huge market for it. And I, I, I personally think it's a very important industry particular to stand behind. And I think as AI in healthcare becomes more prevalent, uh, it's something that we can we can start to look at. 
I would agree. Yeah. Um, seeing, you know, whenever let's let's use LinkedIn as an example, but I'm, I'm sure other social media business platforms as well, you know, whenever, and that's what I do, you know, looking at data, data, science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and a number of people, you know, you, you get in contact with, you know, coming to you or you looking for the relative amount of people in, you know, AI in healthcare is uh, very big. So where, where do you have you been operating in what countries or what parts of the world, what parts of the world are you looking at? Well, we, our team is split into, in the North American region, half of our team sits in Palo Alto and then the other half of the team sits in Munich and takes care of, uh, I guess, Europe, the UK and, and Israel as our main markets. That's not to say that we are not looking at other companies in other markets. I think there's a lot of interest now slowly uh, in Asia, in the Asia-Pacific region. So I would say definitely we we were seeing a lot of activity particularly in Israel for example um, you know that they're the startup nation for a reason and so that was where we were seeing a lot of uh, of companies come through that would really benefit from this solution but I think anywhere is is very interesting there's companies all over the world coming up with some really incredible ideas uh, that that we would love to work with. Now, there's nothing but a free lunch, right? I mean, what's what's in it then for Munich Re? How would you assess from your side what is in it for yourself? I guess part of the pricing element comes from the combination of the performance guarantee and then the insurance contract between the AI provider and Munich Re, which essentially covers the liabilities that arise under the guarantee. So how do we price this? As I said before, we do the due diligence, uh, you know, the, the risk assessment of the company to come up with kind of an idea of the size, the magnitude and, and the frequency of, of losses that could occur. And then it's it's a matter of, of talking with the company. I mean, sometimes they want to exclude certain scenarios that would require a lot of you know, in insurance coverage. And so then that can change the price uh, depending on yeah, what they want included or not. All those typical insurance concepts like a, a retention or a deductible or a co-insurance where for every dollar Munich re-indemnifies 90%, the customer indemnifies themselves the, the remaining 10 cents. All of those sorts of elements are things that we can play around. So essentially when we have these conversations with customers, we ask them, do you want to go fixed risk or, or fixed price? A lot of the time, companies like startups say, well, we have, a, we have a budget for either our insurance coverage or for our marketing, for our sales growth, and we need to stick to this budget. And we say, okay, then let's play around with the parameters of the insurance to make sure that we meet your, your budget concerns. Other companies, larger corporates say, no, we need a much larger stretch of, of limit to cover all of our losses. This is the spectrum of risks that we want to cover. And then we can fix the, the risk and then do the pricing based on knowing the types of risks that we would be covering. Very good. Understood. Robert and I, we've talked a lot uh, in our podcast, you know, since the beginning four years ago, and we will continue to do so on the uh, European AI Act. And 
uh, I personally have suggested uh, in Brussels a couple of years ago, uh, actually a logo, not in this case, unsimilar, the Intel inside, uh, you know, AI inside. Um, now you spoke of a, of a logo of a, of a stamp before as well. So it, does the AI insurer offer something similar? No, you, you said backed by Munich Re, I can already think of a logo, you know, with a square around it and says backed by Munich uh, Re. Um, the point, of course, is here, and then you talk of joint marketing activity. You know that that's what we were doing at uh, at Intel, and part of my job at the time to tell the world about. You know, in that case, it was an Intel processor inside. If we're going to do something similar at a European level, it's like you know the AI that you see that is in front of you has been you know certified by whatever. You are doing something similar. It feels like, and maybe you can comment on that at a you know maybe very early stage, right? I believe because you're the insurer. Now, at some point in time, when the EU is has gone through and agreed upon what uh, how the AI act is going to be looking and hopefully maybe next year then we believe that it's going to result in a specific certification by you know assessment organizations like TÜV in Germany many other ones in other parts of the country so how do you see it similar you, you do like a, a pre kind of we back this solution by this company and then later on it's you assume it's going to get a stamp from an official organization how do you see that so the kind of stamp that we provide currently is there's no specific logo it's just our company Munich Re logo and that's another exciting benefit I think that companies can have from adopting such a performance guarantee is that we consider it to be you know part of the value chain of of having this sort of performance guarantee that it can be really visible i mean typically you don't really know of a company's insurers it's not a very visible or a very public arrangement but this is something that that we try and change with our product in the sense that once we have this guarantee in place and it's set up then we do joint marketing activities with the company, a LinkedIn campaign or maybe a press release or speaking, joint speaking at events or referencing them when we are presenting at particular events because we see a lot of value in that. And we would list that company on our website as a, a partner of Munich Re. They would be able to use our Munich Re logo on their website to say our AI solutions performance has been backed and guaranteed by Munich Re. So that's currently the type of logo that we that we're using when we say that we do these joint marketing activities. In terms of the broader certification or stamp of an AI solution, I'm looking forward to this. Actually, I, I think it's a it's a really exciting development. Uh, there's another team at Munich Re as well called Certify AI that does a uh, a certification of of the AI solution. So it's a little bit different in the sense that it doesn't provide coverage for any losses or underperformance or things like that it's it's essentially a stamp of that a due diligence has been has been done and it has passed particular particular thresholds or or standards so that's definitely something that Munich Re as a company is quite involved in and i think it's uh, i think it's really beneficial for ai solutions going forward to have some sort of standardized essentially quality stamp to say that this has been checked because I think this also goes to achieving the aims that 
we set out to achieve uh, as a team, which is to increase the widespread adoption, not just of, of AI, but of, of good AI solutions, of, of good quality technology in the market. And I think that a, a general certification practice in the market is is certainly a step towards that. Yeah, I uh, I was going to ask you. I see that you are a cert AI. You're working with uh, cert X and and Fraunhofer AI IS IAIS. That's the correct way to pronounce it. Now it's very interesting. Yeah, well, how that's going to turn out. So number one thing, you say you're going to be more upfront as a company. Yeah. So when I'm taking whatever car insurance, you know, you don't see it at the car level, right? So maybe you talk over a party, uh, you're meeting friends, oh, what kind of insurance do you have? Oh, I have ex that, that may happen. I'm not sure that I've seen, oh, sure, you do see probably then the direct insurers, you know. Uh, but in this case, at a higher level, opening new markets, you, you say you do want to be, you know, seen being in that business. And then the second one, you say you have colleagues in the business, which feels more like this, um, the second part or whatever it is in that chain that we're soon going to see whatever it is, you know, um, AI certified AI inside kind of logos coming from maybe your colleagues, um, Cert AI, Cert X, uh, Fraunhofer. And that's very interesting. I wasn't aware and that you as a company, uh, are already maybe busy in that um, in that market. So I think it's an important market to to be a part of, and it's definitely something that we're exploring broadly as a company. Uh, and then particularly our team, I think there's a lot of requirements coming now. I I, I think with the uh, with the regulation coming into force for companies, for example, you know these conformity assessments that they may have to do if they have some sort of high-risk AI application or medium-risk AI application. And hopefully this is going to remove some of that burden of having a notified body come and provide a conformity assessment of your AI or having some sort of really stringent measures um, that AI providers now have to think about when putting their AI onto the market in the EU. And so I think with that uh, regulatory background coming into effect and adding a lot of to-dos for, for AI providers, hopefully in either providing the, the insurance coverage, which backs the performance of the AI, or providing a certification uh, by, by Cert AI, that that can achieve, achieve the aims of the regulation without making it too onerous for the AI providers. Very good. Before we come to a close, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about uh, more about your team, your teams. One is in Palo Alto, you say. One is in Munich. Maybe you can share with us um, how you know how big those teams are, or, or what uh, what is the type of jobs uh, in your team. I'm not sure you're maybe you're looking for colleagues, and if so, what should they bring to the team? We are currently eight people, split split half and half. So my boss. Michael Berger. He sits in Palo Alto. And I would say the team is roughly split into half underwriters. So those with either a, a business or a legal background and half with a technical background. So we are essentially a bunch of lawyers and mathematicians uh, with some kind of economists thrown into the middle. And that is essentially what the team is is made up of. So we tend to be, I would say, mostly across the entire value chain of a of a risk in the sense that 
the research scientists or the the risk assessors also play a part in managing the client relationship and working on on the wordings and things like that. The the business development managers also starting to get involved uh, in the underwriting and, and the risk assessment that we do. So I think Essentially, there's there's no set criteria for uh, being part uh, of the team. I would say that anybody looking to to join the team uh, is is most welcome to reach out. We're we're growing really quickly, and it's, so it's a really exciting time to be part of of the team. We're kind of a, an internal startup because Munich Re is is such a large, uh, old and and stable company, and then within it, we are working on on some really exciting. Uh, developments in AI, and we have developed then this new insurance product. We're looking at developing several more of these types of products. So, beyond just the performance risk of an AI, also looking at responsible AI more broadly. And so, the discrimination risks that could arise if an AI model is is making making a trade off to achieve better performance, then maybe it's reading the data in a way that gives rise to discrimination risks. Uh, and so, those sorts of economic losses that can occur, or I guess general societal harms that occur from a model being discriminatory, is also something that we are developing right now. So there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to do, I think, in the AI space. So if any interested person uh, wants to, to, to be a part of this, then they're most welcome to reach out. I would agree. Exciting times we're in, right? So uh, we have kind of discussed how you, Munich Re, see the state of AI today, you know, started with a hesitation, at least, uh, let's say, a couple of years ago when you started that offer. As a, as a close answer, you know, is that the same everywhere? Germany, Europe, you know, your colleagues based in Palo Alto for a good reason, I would think, United States, China, Asia. And uh, how is your offer going to change, you know, the world of, you know, away from this hesitation towards uh, AI, towards an expectation in the next five to 10 years? I think you make a really uh, important point here. Uh, and that is, I think what we're seeing in terms of the, the current state of the market is that simply having an AI solution is no longer a product differentiator. So for, for an AI provider or an AI buyer, It's, it's important now to stand out in what is becoming uh, a more crowded field. In that respect, I think being able to add these sorts of coverages to your product is uh, a really good way for AI providers to expand their, their reach and to kind of proliferate their solution in the market. So I think that's uh, an interesting starting point. And then when we look at the market more broadly and we see that AI is becoming more commonplace in the market, uh, there's a lot of I think scope for us to expand. At the moment, we are looking at the market from a from a point where people maybe don't trust the, the concept or the performance. People say, "Oh, I don't really get it," or "I don't want to be taken over by a robot." These sorts of concerns, and so to manage those fears and those doubts, we have a performance guarantee, and I think that is addressing the 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 current and the the market in the next couple of years really well. Going forward in, in, in 10 years, maybe everybody expects AI to to be performing well. And then I think we're, we're really well positioned to expand to looking at 
at other sorts of coverage. Maybe there is some sort of mandatory insurance coverage for for self-driving cars or things like that. And I think having some sort of warranty protection for for those sorts of new and large risks is something that Munich Re is, is really well-placed to do. And I, I think within the next five years, requirements for, for adequate risk management of AI is, is expected now. Uh, and this will put certain AI risks on the the standard priority list, list of, of, of risk managers. When we think about losses in the market and uncertainty regarding liability, I think there will be a, a larger demand for sorts of targeted coverage and, and coverage updates of traditional products. So when we look at things like tech ENO or product liability, I think as more products start to incorporate AI or, or elements of machine learning, then this might change the scope of what a product liability insurance looks like or a, or a tech ENO coverage. And I think in that respect, then the insure AI team uh, probably has a lot uh, of new ground that we can explore in the types of coverages that we, we provide where uh, typical traditional liability or insurance tools maybe aren't as relevant as they as they used to be. So no alternative, you say, for not having an AI on offer. Um, as our foreman, uh, German chancellor would say in German, alternativlos. It's all about having a high quality uh, AI solution and possibly backed by one of several. But um, as far as I'm aware, from the uh, insurance industry, the first to be Munich Re. If that is something of interest to you, one of you listeners, you can um, contact uh, Alexandra best on LinkedIn, Alexandra Matthews, uh, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S, at Munich Re. Uh, otherwise, if you, dear listener, um, have any question, comment, you can always send a short email to robert at aipod.de or to myself, peter, at aipod.de. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very nice that you stayed on so far with us. I'm very much looking forward to have you again. And um, Alexander, thank you very much uh, for your time for this so much interesting topic that is a little bit, you know, different from the ones that we would typically do, you know, looking into technology, AI, how machine learning is developing. But at the same time, we do, we do appeal to business, uh, AI business deciders in industries. And for that reason, I believe this was a very important topic. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Peter. Thanks so much for having me.